back. Welcome to the Southdown Collective. This is episode 27. Steph here. And I'm Steve. I'm so excited that we've made our halfway mark into the year, 26 episodes down. Whoop, whoop. The purpose of this podcast is to inform and unite local athletes to training, groups, events, and opportunities in the Homa Thibodeau Bayou region. Whether you're training for your next race, or maybe you are here just looking to get started in something fitness related, from beginners to experienced, whatever your passion or interest, this is the podcast for all things fitness. And we hope you'll find this as your weekly one-stop shop to what's happening locally in fitness and training. This episode is being recorded on Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. So Steph, is there anything exciting happening last week? Any results from races? Yes, this weekend we have three different things to talk about. First was the Homa Christian 5K, where Antonio Delgado won first place with a time of 15.49. Brad Cortez, second overall male, 16.12. Alexandra Williams with a time of 16.23, who according to the results is 14 also, by the way. And then for females, first place overall is Ashley Trosclair with a time of 23.41. Sunny Downer in second with a time of 24.04 and Carly Gutierrez with a time of 25.31. Then that evening they had the Q50 race in Grand Isle and congratulations to Pat Gavin who ran the half marathon in a time of 1.23. Congratulations to Corey Adams second male overall with a time of 1.48 and congratulations to Ashley Trosclair first female overall with a time of 2.8. And also Saturday morning was the Louisiana Triathlon in New Roads. Huge congratulations to Jade Babin for winning the Super Sprint first male overall and to Lisa Iver who won her age group for the Sprint Triathlon and Rianne Yuse who won fourth place in her age group. So really big weekend for racing. A lot of stuff happened. It's terrific to see so many new events popping up here and there after a long hiatus with the aftermath of COVID. People are getting more and more comfortable getting out and participating in these races. Yes, and speaking of getting out and participating in races, this Saturday we have the TFAE 5K, and I know that you, Steve, had mentioned that they're looking for probably about three people to push the Ainsley Angel strollers. I know you've done that before. Can you tell us a little bit about it and why someone may want to get involved? Ainsley's Angels is a terrific group, representing those who cannot themselves participate in races for various reasons. The organization travel has many, many different groups around the region and what they allow to do uh, with the help of assistance of runners is to push their participants in strollers whether it's a 5k 10k even up to a marathon so it's a wonderful opportunity for those who can't race themselves to have someone in aid to help them through the races with these strollers and they're looking for a couple of people at most of the local races especially the big and name ones now if you decide to push a stroller can you have a buddy to help you push and like you push half the buddy pushes half with absolutely. you absolutely uh, i had done this with matt ferguson at one of the Super Cooper races and then with Angela Chasson at one of the most recent TFAE races. So familiar in pushing a stroller, especially this type, it's a little different from just a baby jogger. These strollers themselves, they're heavy duty. They're made to last and take any kind of bumps. But it takes a little bit of effort to push one, so having a little buddy runner is a, is a good good plan, too. Cool deal. So besides TFAE, this Saturday here in Holma, the 5K, the following Saturday on May 15th, there's the West Bank Bridge Park Gator 
5K. And then the following Sunday, the next weekend on May 23rd, they have the Fat Boy 5K in Lafayette Park in Metairie. So we'll add those events to our show notes. And that's all I got so far within the next month coming up. Okay, guys. So today on the show, you have probably noticed that Steve is my co-host. Yes, yes. And that's because we have a very special interview today that I know all of you have been waiting for. Welcome to the show, Stu Babin. I think you wrote here that I was supposed to say thanks for being my best friends ever. (laughs) Truth comes out, finally. I did. And anything else you would want to add? Thanks for having me. I've heard a lot of great things about the podcast. So we'll cut to the chase. So how did you get into fitness? Were you always active? I think it's always been there. Probably heard me mention my dad several times on the podcast in the past. My dad's always been a runner and he was a cyclist as well. As far back as I can remember, he's always been active. Even I guess as a toddler, I used to get in the car with my dad and we'd go spray paint mileage on the side of the road and you know <laughs> before the days of GPS and watches and stuff so he would know how far he went. And uh, maybe the next morning when I was old enough, I would ride my BMX bike on the side of him as he was running. So it's always been there. And then came the 80s with Greg LeMond pretty much revolutionized and got cycling really popular and dad got into that and then I followed suit. So mom's also been into aerobics and and taking classes over the years. So it's always been a presence around it. We weren't super competitive family by any means, but I've always been active and, you know, I've always participated in things with my dad. I think that first answer brings up a good point that oftentimes children will mimic or follow suit to what their parents will do. So parents out there, keep in mind your children are watching when you show them good habits of exercise. Yeah, and for sure, even if they don't pick up on it as early as you would think they would, it's probably something that they'll pick up on even if it's later in life, even if it's after they have their own kids. What did my parents do to stay healthy? Yeah, and I think it was more of like default. You know, I've heard several times we mentioned on the podcast, lots of people think of running as punishment. I never really thought of it as that. It's just that was something that dad did. That was just something by default that we always kind of go back to. It's easy. You know, it's convenient. You know, you can do it at any time. It doesn't take a whole lot of equipment. I mean, I participated in all kinds of sports growing up from played t-ball, baseball, basketball, soccer, football, ran track, did weightlifting. And so along with all that, then ran 5Ks at a young age with dad and then, you know, did cycling with him as well. And then eventually got into some team organized cycling when I was in military school. So your dad would actually drive the vehicle to track the mileage, to know how far he, like he would use the odometer on the car mm-hmm. to know. That's yeah, and I thought that's just the way everybody did it back then, <laughs> you know? In my early 20s, that's the way I did it too. I mean, Steve and I were talking the other day on a run, you know, the only thing you really had back then was like an Iron Man type watch. You had to reach over and kind of hit the button to get your laps, and that's pretty much all you had. Yep. You know, this GPS technology didn't really come around until, you know, maybe probably 10, 15 years ago it really started getting popular. Right, the idea of tracking always revolved around the vehicle make the mark on the side of the road keep on going yeah I mean no Google Maps nothing like that and mm-hmm. you watch the weather the night before you go out for a run and kind of hope for the best did you uh, having the different aspect of uh, exercise and physicality did you find your body changing us you had mentioned the idea of team sports like basketball soccer and football but something straight up like weightlifting that usually doesn't go hand in hand with ultra running and ultra cycling that you do now how did you see yourself physically changing with those different aspects no, I think growing up I, everybody's kind of seemed to play those team sports I mean along with that too you know we were skateboarding and we were BMX jumping hills and doing all kinds of other stuff too it just seemed like that was just the norm as far as you know weightlifting just trying to better yourself without really even knowing 
what we wanted to do or you know what direction we wanted to go in you were always just trying to get stronger and trying to get faster weightlifting was just another thing along with it i mean when, especially when i kind of grew up kind of a skinny kid so you always want to be a little bit stronger you know and not be so puny so i think that's kind of where that came in as well you know maybe have a little bit of muscles to, to impress the girls or something i don't know whatever we were thinking when we were that age so that was primarily in high school you were trying to bolt? No, I, I would say I probably started in junior high school or maybe okay. even younger than that. I remember going down the street to one of my dad's neighbors and uh, working out with him. And that was some, one of the same guys that we were cycling with at the same time oh, back wow. in the mid 80s, late 80s. Do you have any siblings? I have a sister. She's two and a half years younger than me. She wasn't really into sports, but she, she had more of a passion for like dancing and those types of things. She, I think she did some synchronized swimming too. Oh, wow. Now, Stu, I remember an event a couple of years ago where they were involved where you had a, a traumatic incident when it came to cycling. Did that change how you felt as far as overall activities? Yeah, so I think there was a period that I probably, I think I got into running competitive 5Ks probably in the late, 90s and then found mountain biking around like 2000 and then that was exclusive uh, with with mountain biking and then probably moved into commuting to work i was pretty big into that for a while and did some of the crazy alley cat races and stuff in new orleans like the stuff you see on tv so things kind of migrated and then i think around 2010 i started getting into road cycling again the accident came in 2012 and it was not like a normal ride we were actually I was with some friends in New Orleans we just had dinner and we were just riding back to somebody's house I don't even remember exactly how it happened I know it was like an intersection where there was a light I don't know if it was my fault or his fault or what it was but we were you know moving pretty good and then just out of the corner of my eye I saw this guy and I said this guy's about to hit me and then bam that's how fast it happened and supposedly the totaled the whole front end of the car and I bounced off the windshield was on the concrete kind of popped right back up like nothing happened you know because i mean i've been riding bikes for so many years i mean that was pretty common when we were in the woods riding mountain bikes you'd wreck all the time you know so i really didn't think anything of it but you know the ambulance came and like no you need to you need to go to the hospital you're pretty banged up so i went in and got to turo and they did the cat scan ct scan whatever so i had some internal brain bleeding rushed me to Oshner. i was in icu for probably like a week or so long story short Everything was good, you know, eventually that seized and then kind of got back to normal. But what happened after that was the whole PTSD, the whole thing, like you couldn't get around lots of people, noisy environments, you know, I couldn't drive. You know, when you have something like, like a brain injury, it's much like breaking an arm or a leg. There's a, this rehabilitation period that kind of happens, you know. So things were really, really tender. And so really wasn't doing anything, obviously, around that time was on the medication because I get these severe headaches and all this kind of stuff. And so periodically going to Oshner to check in with my neurologist afterwards, you know, as I'm getting back to normal. And I remember asking him the question of, do you think it would be possible for me to ride bikes again? And I think really thought at the time he was going to say, you should never ride bikes again. And, and I'm, my wife's sitting on the side of me and I'm thinking she's hoping that that he would say that but he said no he says uh you know i think maybe if you just take your time gradually get back into it don't overdo it you know i think it might be a good thing and so i like to say the thing that almost took my life kind of gave it back because there was something that happened in that accident to me that just totally rewired my my head you know when they say when you have a traumatic brain injury it really does change you and i didn't believe that you know when people told me that but uh, looking back now 
it definitely did because all of the stuff that I did prior to the accident, you know, all the mountain biking, all this other stuff, I would say it was more of exposed to that activity. I really wasn't as serious as I was after that event. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, and all of us have known people with various activities have had some incidents some some accidents, but it does have a tendency to change your life, shift your life's focus. Some people find after an accident that the exercise gives them that freedom and that comfort of mind. Some people, as you had said, with that PTSD, you have to withdraw back from it a little bit. And that definitely can affect the whole family. But when you find your your solace and your comfort and it gives back, that's what I, uh, I think a lot of people are really beginning to understand is that exercise can give this back, this form of communication and camaraderie with those around you become a very important part of life that makes life worth living also. Whenever you were doing like the BMX stuff and things of that nature, was it was it more of like adrenaline driven, like shorter, faster distances? And after the accident, did you switch to liking like longer, just more like steady pace distances? Yeah, I guess so. You know, there was some, there's something said for like mountain biking it has like this uh, kind of the soul surfing kind of effect it, it's hard to describe it's kind of got this flowy feel and you, you it's, it's kind of a grace thing and so i never really was a fast guy never fast runner never fast cyclist before the accident I, I guess i just never really i kind of took a step back from it and just enjoyed the fact that i was doing it but mm-hmm. after the accident like i said things kind of got crisscrossed and then so i had like more of this determined and focused approach to it and then also wanted to go further you get kind of caught up in the whole numbers game and everything you know with with training looking back after the accident I can remember I the first year right after the accident I put in almost 10,000 miles on the bike and I wasn't even keeping track like I just was it just became like my go-to thing I think after accidents or traumatic things that happen to people they kind of latch on to something and it could be booze it could be drugs it could be a lot of different things and then one day I was just like riding my bike and I just had this epiphany like where am I what am I doing and I'm, and I'm just riding a bike and so it, it just kind of like okay this is this is what I'm doing so I kind of hinged on to it as you know it's a good thing but at the same time I know Wally mentioned when we interviewed him you know there kind of comes a point where too much time away from the family could be bad, even though you think that it's really good for right. for you as a person. So I've had to really adjust over since the accident. Okay, when's this going to be enough? Because there, there's an addiction to that part too. And if you listen to lots of other podcasts like Rich Roll and, and other guys out there, there, a lot of people that were addicted to different things latch on to this type of lifestyle and it could become habitual and a little excessive too. So I've had to kind of readjust, you know, my OCD-ness to that as well. You know, more is not always better and you can be just as fast and, and, you know, just as good at, you know, different disciplines without putting this extra amount of time for mileage. It's interesting point that you brought up because, you know, I'd like to talk about some of your your memorable uh, cycling races events, but a big part of figuring out what works exercise wise for you also has to be a balance of that family time too if you're you know a committed family man so realizing you have a full-time job you know a couple of kids a new dog to take care of Mm -hmm. how do you find the balance with what you would like to accomplish with with your family life as well as with your exercise life you know I think a lot of people put it as 
yeah, I don't know how you do that. You know, I got to spend more time with, with, at the house or with the family, whatever. And, and, you know, that's, that's important. And, and I try to do that too, but you know, I think it's the definition of quality Are you just there or actually spending quality time with your family. So that's one thing that I try to key on when I'm around the house, you know, maybe it's taking Brooklyn out for ice cream or maybe spending some quality time, you know, uh, as I cut the grass, you know, riders following behind that me. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's a great uh, little mini mini moment. Yes, and they both had their hats on backwards. He follows me everywhere I go. <laughs> or spending quality time with the dog, you know, or, or, or as a whole family, you know, the kids and I walking the dog, you know, doing all these things together. So I try to focus in a little bit more on, on the quality. What What is quality time more so than just I'm home and I'm not doing anything? You know, I don't really watch TV a whole lot. You know, there's some things that aren't as important to me as as it is to other people. Um, so, but I think it's just, you know, I, I do most of my running early in the morning, and then I do some cycling in the evening. But it's not an everyday thing as much as it used to be. So it's really just, you know, just setting up your calendar and trying to space things out. I'm not really training for anything specifically right now, so it really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me to be spinning you know, 200 miles per week or, you know, running 50 miles per week. I can get by with a little less and I'm still just as good. I'm in a really sweet spot right now that I'm actually excelling in both disciplines and I'm not doing nearly as many miles as I have in the past. And so I think that's where everybody would kind of like to be. And I think the other thing to note is that, like you said, I don't think a lot of people realize how early you get up and how early you're on the roads. I mean, most mornings when you're running, you're running by like 4.30, 5 o'clock for you to start is late. So you're getting back home when they're waking up. So you have rearranged your morning schedule to kind of not be missing anything, like the quality time, spending time with them because you're out running and cycling well running mainly when they're sleeping yeah definitely come back and have a little time to joke around with the family and then take off and go to work yeah that that's critical so it sounds like what you're saying is that when you're there be present there when you're exercising hard do that with friends you know spending the time with them but being present at home spending that quality time necessary quantity time is what's critical yeah but to piggyback off of what you had mentioned about the early, some people aren't early risers. Some people are saying, well, I can't get up in the morning time just like that. Then, okay, we'll find that dedicated time in the afternoon then. Or maybe go over your lunch hour. Yeah. But, you know, figure out what works out for your schedule. Just so happens all three of us, our best time is that morning exercise time. But some people, okay, right after work, have that gym bag ready, you know, go to the gym or, you know, go off for a run. Because I've often heard, hey, I, I love to exercise, I just don't have the time. I think if you make it part of your lifestyle like you have, then I think it makes a big difference. So with all your many years of different types of exercise, what's been, and I'm sure you've had so many moments, but what's some of the bigger moments as far as whether it's races or activities or events that you've been part of that stand out to you? Well, like I was saying earlier, there's been so many of them. Looking back, the ones that, those numbers, the, the bigger ones, especially the ones that I did solo when nobody was around, the funny thing is, is I can't really remember them. They really weren't significant enough. So the ones that stick out to me the most is the ones that I was doing with other people or who was there. You know, like you and I, Steve, we trained to get, I was, I was training for my ultra. You were training to qualify for Boston. Yeah. My dad was running with us. My dad was running back then at the time. And so we got to yeah. put in a lot of miles together. And so I did the ultra dad came up with me, ran his bike from like, you know, around mile 30. I think he rode with me for like 10, 15 miles. And so that was really cool to have him there as I was doing that. You know, I've done a couple of other big events, circumnavigated the Lake Pontchartrain, 
it was like 170 miles and, and I met some really good people along the way, you know, over the years. And then there's, you know, there's a special bond that happens, especially when you do long distance stuff, because you're, you're just pushing those limits. And I know Steph, she's shaking her head. She knows all about that. I always kind of say it's, I'm ex Navy. We used to call each other shipmates and there's a special bond when you're in the military and you're, you're kind of like, you know, fighting in the trenches. The same thing kind of happens when you do these long distance types events where you, the people that you spend that time with, you never know what you're going to go through. So those are the things that I kind of take away from. You know, I did a, a 200 miler, I think in 16. And actually that one was, I broke it into 50 mile segments and I had somebody different each section of the 50 miles. So I remember all those guys that spent, that they came out at different times. I'd have them set up like, all right, you're going to be due to come here at 10 and you're going to ride 50 and the next guy's going to come in at 12 or whatever until I got it all done. So, so those types of things now looking back are more they jump out of my mind more so or just recently you know reaching the 365 with with you knuckleheads and we had cupcakes afterwards cupcakes. And, and that was that was fun <laughs> you know it's just those little things and it doesn't really seem like a whole lot and i don't even really consider it like this monumental thing but it's just little things that's the thing that you when you look back on and i think a lot of people that are probably listening to this they'll they'll be marathons and i know we've heard some stories i know uh, when christina told her story about her marathon and at the end when her husband proposed to her it's like those little key things and it wasn't even a big event but that's the most memorable things and that's really what i pull from these moments man they are meant to be shared they really are and you can cut this part off if you want but one thing that just it pops into my mind is when matt damon is on the movie it was a movie called the martian and he gets stranded on mars and when he finally learns to be able to communicate with NASA back on Earth, it has a still shot of him and his hands are up and he's like, woo! <laughs> he looks around, nobody else is around him. He can't, you know, share that, that yeah. joy with someone. And, and the events that you've done, being able to share them, those, those are those memories with your dad and, you know, with your friends. Just to have that time with your family, that is amazing. Yeah, definitely. So I hear that you carry this little thing in your pocket whenever you cycle yeah who told you that you did i did uh-huh can you tell me more about that the you said that it, you said a long time ago that it might come up in your podcast wow i forgot maverick to, I must have told the student yeah. Yeah. oh yeah it must have been maverick yeah right after the accident see brooklyn was yeah she was probably about seven years old after the accident 2012 she's just factuated with you know dolls and things like that so anyway I think my aunt might have gotten married and she had these little plastic diamonds all over the table, you know, as decorations. Well, you know, Brooklyn brings a couple of those homes and she told me that this was a magical diamond, had powers that would keep me protected. <laughs> and so she, she gave it to me and then uh, she used to actually take it back and she had to recharge it. When she would recharge it, she'd sit it in her nightstand by her bed and That's then get great. It back to me. So I still carry that diamond with me in my little cycling bag. Oh, man. Yeah, That's how cool great. is that? That is yeah. very cool. Now, speaking of Brooklyn, or your wife and Brooklyn Active? Yeah, you know, I've tried to, when Brooklyn was younger, I bought a really nice bike and tried to, you know, hope that she would follow suit into that. And she did a little cross-country stuff, and I kind of lit a fire under her when she was doing that. But I've kind of taken a step back and realized as a dad that you can't really force your kids to do anything that they don't want to do. So Brooklyn has really gotten into color guard, into the dance side, and she's very consistent at it. I mean, she's twirling that thing in the backyard, and she, she'll come inside. She's got bruises. She busses herself cool. in the head all the time. She's, <laughs> she's really persistent at it. So that's her thing, and so I'm happy to see that she's, she's going that route, and she's looking into getting into some new type of dancing she was just telling me about today. 
And Christy, she just recently, well, I'd say recently, she's been for a while doing like a CrossFit class over at Studio Matrix. And that's kind of her thing. She's done a few 5Ks and stuff too, but she's been kind of finding her way there too. And so, you know, over the years, she's always kind of like trying to find buddies and things to train with. And we've tried to do a little bit, but you know, the stuff that I do is different than the stuff that she does. And you got to try to find your little group of people. And so she's got, she's got her buddies over there at studio matrix that really keeps her going. And then I got all my, my hoodlum friends that I hang around with when I'm running and doing cycling. So you got to find That's what we're called, Steve. Yeah. Hoodlums now. Yeah. We're hoodlums. So sometimes it's great, you know, if like Nikki and Wally, you know, if, if they can join, but it doesn't always work out. I mean, I know with like you and Mike as well. So eventually, you know, we, we do go to some five K's and things, but you know, I might be running or I might be watching Ryder and she let her do things. So yeah, I know. I thought it was cool for the Acadian 5K. You came and watched Ryder and Christy and Brooklyn did the yeah. 5K together. Yeah. Like it was cool to just see them out there, you know, participating. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's important for us to realize that our significant others, spouses, friends, they're going to have sometimes different things that they excel at that motivate them. And for us to be just as supportive in their activities as our own, very important. And I got to say that too, because she has been very supportive. You know, I'm not like most people in South Louisiana are hunters and fishermen. That's never really been my thing. So when, before we had kids, I used to take trips all the time to go ride mountain bikes in Alabama and Tennessee and all over the state of Louisiana and Texas. And she was always really cool with that, you know, would let me go. Of course, now I don't do that anymore because we had kids. And so I I usually, I don't do a whole lot of out of town trips. I like to kind of stay local because then it's easy access with the family. Because if you go and take off for, and then do an overnight, then it blows the whole weekend. I just think that it's really not the best idea. But yeah, she's been very supportive. And and I think even after the accident, she saw that excessiveness of being gone all the time, but she also saw it in a way where she saw it as rehabilitation for me to get better and to kind of let it go. But, you know, was very happy to see me kind of wise up to it. and like, okay, maybe I don't need to go ride 50 miles today or, you know, put in a 300 mile week because in retrospect, it doesn't really mean anything right do you remember the first ride that you did after your accident no not really i just i was probably out on bull run somewhere because i remember i used to go park back there back then actually that that was before strava i think i started on strava originally in 2012 right after the accident but i think it wasn't until like later that year so i was still using the old cat eye type computers and then just writing stuff down on the calendar on what i did and that's what my dad always had he had big calendars and then write his mileage and just keep track of like a little diary does you know? he still have that oh yeah yeah that's he still cool. uses that yeah for those who may not know could you explain strava sure yeah oh, strava's point. is like a social network of athletes I've had kind of my love hate relationship with it over the years i've deleted my profile a few times just much like i've done with regular social media and don't look for Stu babin because yeah, you, won't you won't find, find him it. yeah he, his profile has long been deleted but you know there, there's some good things that came with, with strava when i first got on it there wasn't nearly as many segments around homa a lot of them that are around or i actually created most of them but it actually it does have a lot of good things because it actually will push you because they have these segments and things like that that's created that you can actually see where you rate next to other athletes in town or maybe even people that come in from out of town. Um, so it's, it's good. You know, it's got its good good points and bad points, but all it is is pretty much just a network and you can link up with people and see what they're doing on a daily basis. 
Yeah, and they have, you can actually sync, like regardless of whether you have Sunto or Garmin or Koros, whatever you're using to track your stuff, it's, you can use it for kayaking, you can use it for cycling, for swimming, for running. You can also record if you do a, a yoga workout and if you have a heart rate monitor, it'll even put what your heart rate was throughout the activity as well. So it's not just for cycling, it's not just for running. If you do pretty much anything fitness and you kind of want it to have one place where everything's recorded, it's a cool free app that you can use to do that. What's a typical training week look like for you, Stu? It's been kind of varying. Lately, I think it's a little more focused on the family and with the new dog. Typically on Mondays, is kind of my semi-recovery day. I'll try to do a little bit lesser of a run and then try to go to my restore yoga class in the evenings. Tuesday, Thursdays with you guys, an early in the morning run, and then kind of depending on what the weather is like, then, you know, I'll do maybe a ride on Tuesdays and Thursdays, although last week I think it was just a Wednesday. You know, an hour in the morning, maybe an hour or two in the evening when I do the biking, but not a whole lot on the weekdays. I've really tried to reduce that. And then on the weekends, I'll kind of leave Saturday dedicated for a long ride. And then sometimes on Sunday, I'll do my long runs and then maybe go do like more of a social ride um, with the guys. And it's kind of been varying. I'd say if it averaged probably maybe 40 miles, 30, 40 miles of running per week and maybe about 150 to 170 miles of riding per week. Those numbers just just seem phenomenally high for somebody just starting out or just the average. I, I imagine that you burn thousands of calories then with that much of a exercise regimen. How do you consume that much? How do you even have time for that? You know, we've, we've had this discussion before and I don't really know the answer to it because I think it's just that after maybe years of doing it, I think your body just tends to just adapt. I probably burn on average maybe 8,000 calories or so a week, and, but I only eat probably 2,000 to 2,500 calories a day. You know, I don't eat a whole lot, but I think my body just adapts to it. But I think it's, it's more important is that you're eating before your activities or you stay hydrated throughout the week. You know, lots of people kind of focus a little bit too much like there's no I don't believe in like carb bloating you know the night before and all that kind of stuff I think if you eat right throughout the week then things will just kind of follow suit but I do know like if I'm if I'm going on a really hard intense ride on Saturday then I make sure that I have a really great supper the night before and if I have time the day of I'll wake up early and have like you know a really good breakfast you know like oatmeal and fruit and things like that that's going to give me something will stick to you tell me yeah because I, I don't really eat a whole lot during a ride and if I do it's, it's nothing special maybe like a banana or energy bar or something my diet is extremely boring by most standards <laughs> I don't cook I don't do anything I mean like after this podcast I'm going to go probably eat a sweet potato and maybe have a smoothie or something and I just I eat very basic lots of frozen meals frozen vegetables and things like that but you got to just find what works for you everybody's a little bit different I don't really subscribe to any particular diet and I'm always careful to say certain words and things to associate with it but I know what works for me and then and I just kind of follow suit as years have gone on I guess especially more recently and I hate to use this word because I know you're going to roll your eyes at me. But as you get older. Older. Say it again. How old is he again? <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed that there are different things that you have to be more mindful of that you didn't have to five, ten years ago? Yeah, we've covered some of that on the podcast previous, you know, with the IT band issue, which really is non-existent anymore. So I really made special emphasis on stretching. Like even this morning before going running a thunderstorm, uh, you spent like, you know, 10 minutes in my little storage room stretching out and I got a few different exercises that I've incorporated 
And I really like my yoga restore class I take with Cecil at Empower on Mondays. That really kind of helps from the stretching aspect, but also just to, we've talked about it on the podcast before, just giving your body a little bit of love, especially after the way that we abuse, like, you know, you didn't mention earlier, but you know, you ran 31 miles this morning with Wally. That puts a lot of wear and tear on your body. And you got to give yourself a little bit of love sometimes. And while I probably could go do that too, I just try to hesitate a little bit because I'm starting to notice little things. Everything's good, but you know, it's just like a, like a car. You got to go get a tune up every so often. And I, I think sometimes with this repetitive nature of running and cycling is, is it, it depletes us with other things. And when I was talking to Haley before I went to Empower to, to start yoga, you know, she used the example that my hamstrings were probably like the size of toddlers because they just weren't stretched out to the fullest extent because they were all caught up in this repetitive motion. So I've made a promise to myself that I would try to focus a little bit better on stretching and, and just really slowing down a little bit and relaxing. And I think it's really helping so far. I'm going to continue to keep doing it. I think that's absolutely critical. I don't think we can emphasize enough the importance of stretching and giving our bodies the time to restore uh, the muscles, the joints, keeping the aches away by keeping everything lubricated with proper stretching, proper motion. We tax our bodies so much. And with every five years, I think we're realizing that stretching becomes more and more critical. As the age comes on, 50, 60, 70, those in that generation, the ones who have that flexibility, if they take falls or tumbles, they can hop back up a lot easier than those who stiff joints, stiff muscles, haven't had that proper technique. Yeah, and we've hit that on that a few times with different guests, you know, of saying of when you start that approach up front or the sooner that you start that approach, then the easier it's going to be. I've been very, very lucky. You know, I've been doing a lot of the stuff for over 20 years and I haven't really had any major injuries. So I think a lot of that has to do with just being a little cautious with my approach to things. But I definitely think that I probably could have took some of these approaches to stretching and and just, you know, giving a little love, relaxation and those types of things even sooner than what I've had here recently. And I probably wouldn't have any any issues at all. Yeah, I know I need to start implementing it more. So you are a great example to me, Stu. Oh, thanks. With my wisdom. Because you're older. (laughs) (laughs) Although Steve's older than me. Just a hair. Just a hair. So every once in a while, I know we all get this, this feeling. You get up and you're like, you know what? I just don't want to do it today. On a day like that, do you say, okay, I'm going to take the break? Or do you say, I'm going to find the motivation to do it? What goes through your mind? I think you just remove the question of doing it and you just do it. You know, I was thinking this morning, the thunderstorm was coming and, you know, my wife was like, you sure you want to go out and do that? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm usually going out and do it anyway. You're sleeping or you're not, you don't notice it, but you just remove that question of why, you know, without saying, sounding too cliche, like Yoda says, do or do not, you know, there is no try. You just take out that if or why. And I'm a little different than most people. I don't do the treadmill. I don't do the trainers. I like to go outside and experience it. That's just me. But whatever works for you, by all means, you know, just do it, you know, commit to something. Yeah, I just, I just take the question out and, and it, it drives me. So, I mean, obviously some days I don't feel like doing it, but I just do it anyway. And a lot of times you, I find the days that I, 
I'm not in the mood, I'll go out and do it. And those are some of the best days. Like today, you know, in the middle of, after the thunderstorm kind of passed and it was just raining, it was just nice. And every time I passed the house, my son would yell out the window, good job, dad, dad, you know, and just little things like that. I, I probably could have ran a lot further than what I ran, you know? I think one of the other things is that some of the activities that you do, a lot of the activities involve other people. Mm -hmm. So your accountability factor, if you're going to do something solo, whether it's lifting weights or swimming or otherwise, as opposed to meeting somebody, you know that you don't want to let them down. And it motivates you to be accountable to them too. Yeah, and lots of times I'm the one that's kind of organizing some of those things. So if the organizer doesn't show up, <laughs> it looks really bad. So that's also motivation too. So, And I'm usually lighting the fires under other people to make them show up. And some people that are listening to this probably will know what I'm talking about. Nothing like poking the bear a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah, you gotta light a fire sometimes. If you had to choose between cycling and running, which would you choose? It depends on the weather. <laughs> I saw that question written down, and I know you guys are trying to corner me on that one. But it really comes down to the weather. If it's extremely cold, run, without a doubt. But if it's like a nice fall day and the leaves are kind of falling, that's a bike ride. I really enjoy that. But I do like both. I always say running keeps me grounded and cycling is kind of my sense of adventure. But I got a love for both over the years. I, I really, I've stopped running and then just did cycling. But now that I've kind of, I just started running again last year around March. And now I, don't, I can't foresee myself stopping anymore. I've really gotten that taste back to it. And I'm running really good right now, probably better than I ever have in my life. So it's, it's, it's enjoyment on both sides. And speaking of how well you're doing right now, do you have any future plans for races or events or anything? Yeah, if everything continues to keep going good with all these races that are going on, you know, maybe towards the end of the year, I'm looking at possibly trying to qualify for Boston. Oh, you know? yeah. I, uh, now it's out there. Yeah. yeah. We kind of touched on that a little bit in previous episodes where I kind of skipped the marathon and I went straight to, to ultra marathons. But now I'm kind of you know, been breaking a lot of PRs this year and with the running and getting a little faster. And so it's a different kind of challenge for me because I, I'm more built for the long stuff. There kind of comes a point, like I said earlier, of like how far is too much because I could definitely probably go do some obscene amounts of miles, but I, I just don't want to do that anymore. So I, I kind of like the idea. So yeah, Boston's a, is a good little step. You know, I got a couple of races and been talking to different people about races they're going to do. That's another thing. I'm, I don't want to just go do it by myself just to say that I'm going to go do it. But I mentioned it to my wife, I'm like, hey, you know, I want to do this and we can take a trip up to Boston. And she, she kind of really enjoyed that idea. Awesome. So it'd be cool to take her and go to Boston and go do that. I've never been to Boston. So that'd be cool. But, and then, like I said, qualifying for Boston with other friends and then having that memory attached to it as well would be, to me, more as a goal. I like it. Do you have a favorite quote? I don't have a quote. One of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump, and there's a scene when he's doing his cross-country trek where he's, like, running in the distance, and you have all these different backgrounds, and I always kind of talk about my Forrest Gump moments, and, and they happen all the time. You know, I kind of had one earlier today. I mean, it's a natural thing when you're riding even like in the cane fields or one day some days when the weather's just right and, and I've, I've had the pleasure of running and, and cycling all different places all over the United States and um, even outside the country I have those little Forrest Gump moments and this indescribable you can't take a photo and capture it it's, it's just I don't I don't even know how to put it in the words but that's what I think of when I think of quote like Forrest Gump in those types of moments I think the 
beauty of nature has a way of revealing itself on some of those early or late runs and cycles. You just see different parts of our a beautiful planet, whether it's in the mountains, whether it's in the swamps, whether it's in the cane fields, and you appreciate that beauty being able to be out there and just have that experience. Yeah, and I'll say to that too, you know, now kind of put more emphasis on the people that I spend my time with within miles, but there was a point, you know, when I was doing all solo stuff and I really had these moments of like, you know, call it an out-of-body experience or whatever, but I was out riding, you know, maybe bull run early one morning and watching the sunrise and having that Forrest Gump type moment. And it really put me like at peace. And, you know, it just, I don't know, it's just, it's indescribable, but I'm really thankful for all of that time that I had to kind of relearn myself and to kind of get myself where I needed to be. But now, you know, now I, I, it's even better to get that if, if we're on an early morning run and then we can see the sunrise together and then you remember it even more so. The Southdown Collective is supported and sponsored by Dr. Steve Morgan and Home of Family Dental. We say it every week and always remain grateful for everything you do for this podcast and community. And thanks for all the continued feedback. We love reading all the comments and reviews, so definitely keep it coming. And be sure to like, comment, and or share on whatever media you use. We are very proud of our local fitness community and want to continue to support all of you. This podcast is a collective interest for everyone in our fitness community, and that means you. And yeah, you should share or recommend the Southdown Collective to a friend, or even invite a friend or family member for some outdoor activity. You might just be the one person that can help someone begin a journey to a healthier lifestyle. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for The Southdown Collective. We post new episodes every Wednesday to all podcast platforms and share links on social media. This is episode 27, so we have 26 previous episodes recorded. Please go back and learn something new about people you probably know or may have heard about. Next week, we'll be joined by Ashley Leish, local Girls on the Run director. Excited to hear all about Girls on the Run and the part that it plays in our local community. Also, please don't forget to reach out if you know a local athlete who we should have on the podcast. We know that there are some gems out there that we just haven't heard about, so please feel free to reach out to us. Yep, and I'm sure there are even some great businesses we could have on the show you just don't know about yet. So until next week, keep running, keep cycling, or whatever your passion, train hard, stay safe, and good health. And tell a friend about the Southdown Collective. Until next time. I don't know what to say. Don't be lame, Stu. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show. It's been a real great honor. Greatest episode ever. It's going to be edited to like five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Hasta la vista. See you later.